Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick bites. Uh, thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOver Essentials, the home of the Porterbooth Pro. Uh, for this quick bite, we're joined by Bobby Osinski. How are you, Bobby? Very well. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. Now, we've got you on this one because uh, there's, I saw a thread the other day, and in fact, I think George saw this as well, um, where some animation studios are demanding that the talent who are working from home these days buy a U87. My question was, why would you do that? Because if it's about matching something, you've got a completely different room, you've got a completely different preamp probably. What is the logic in someone buying a U87? Is this for the whole peanut gallery or should we start with Bobby? <laughs> Let's start with Bobby. <laughs> okay. Let's start with Bobby. He's our guest. I, I'm shocked personally because I, now I haven't really done a lot in the voiceover world. Everything I've done has been in music, but I can't remember too many times when we wound up using a U87 as a primary vocal mic. A couple times, but usually it was, uh, it lost out to many other things that were in the studio. So this was, now I use it a lot for drums, especially toms and sometimes guitars, but for vocals, for voice, no. So uh, I'm shocked why someone would, would pick this. There's plenty of other good alternatives, of course. Yeah. All right, you're next, Robo. Well, <clears throat> AP, when we talked about this the other day on the phone, AP mentioned that there was, um, who was Porky Pig, AP? Oh, Bob Bergen. Yeah, Bob he's Bergen. the one who was yeah, being told. Yeah, he was the one. And um, I wondered whether they were, because if they were using archival material as well as new material, if they'd originally recorded him on a U87 and they were trying to match the new recordings with the old recording and he was in a different environment because he's got to work from home, blah, 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 whether they decided that, okay, it's easier to match if we start on the same microphone at least so that you've got the same dynamics on the old recording as well as the new recording and then that EQ becomes easier to match. All that, you know, room sound, everything else that needs to happen to make it all sound like it was recorded at the same time. That was the only thing I could think of as to why you would demand that someone have a U87. Yeah, I mean, because to me, there's two things at play here. Is one, does it matter that it be exactly the same mic as what was used back at the studio when it's being used in totally different environments? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, why U87? So it seems like there's really two topics because, as Bobby said, there's so many other mics. <laughs> why that yeah. one? And then the other one is, does it matter if it's a different mic when it's in a different environment. So I feel like there's two distinctive things here. I mean, I would like to talk first about why U87. My theory is the same. I think it's the same theory as the why the 416 is so popular. And I think it's just because in the very early days of voice recording, voiceover, specifically not voice, but voiceover, there was a small number of production houses doing this because there was far fewer talent 
And there was far fewer networks, right? There was like three channels in the U.S. So there was just a small number of productions doing that work at that level. And so they were just using what they had, you know? And I, the 416 accidentally ended up being the mic because the guy that does the love boat uh, back on ABC in the late 70s wanted to sit in the control room. And so they needed a mic that would reject some of the background noise from the equipment. And they had a shotgun mic laying around. So presto changeo, 35 years later, we're all using 416s. <laughs> yes. Um, but the U87, I have to imagine it was a utility mic that was in the studio uh, at, at said network or said location. It was an animation studio. It was, an, it was just something that became popular and... Not and it was, so neither of these mics. It was the best possible mic. It was the best possible mic available, yeah. or the best possible mic on location at the time. And so, just through through sheer court, you know, time and momentum, it became standardized. That's my theory. That's why U eighty seven. I don't know. What do you guys think about? It? Does that sound sensible, Robert? I think that it just happened because it's Whitney Houston's fault. Yeah, she did the commercial on the magazine ad where she's singing in front of the U87, and that became like the greatest mic for the greatest love of all. And there uh, became a very popular mic, and then everyone wanted a U87 because of Whitney Houston. How's that? I think it's I, it's I, a I do think that mic. it's because producers just don't want to have to say we recommended the wrong mic, and so you can't necessarily, even though the U87 is kind of dark and not really. I agree, it's not really the best mic necessarily, but it's an undeniable mic in the same way that the 416 is undeniable because of some point in history they became the go-to mic. So now all these producers yeah. are just saying, I don't want to risk recommending anything else than what is absolutely known to be for sure a go-to mic. And uh, I don't care if it costs you $3,000, uh, go get this thing because it's easy for me to recommend it. And no one will tell me I'm... Yeah, Wrong. I mean, yeah, if you recommend a U87, who up the food chain that's paying you is going to tell you, why don't you tell them to use that mic? It's a blah, 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 piece of crap. Like, no, nobody's going to say that. It's a $3,000 mic. Yeah, there, there's a certain level of quality here that we're talking about. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where, yes, it's it just like a 416, there, there's a reasonable level of quality that you're going to get that, you know, certainly acceptable, no matter which way you look at it. So from that standpoint, I could see why someone would recommend it. My question is, though, a half-decent audio engineer, if he's got a mic that has similar characteristics and there's plenty of them, they should be able to match it because there's so many other things at play in this because even though you've got a U87, your room is completely different if you're working from home. I mean, you're not sitting in a huge open commercial booth you're probably either in a closet or some cobbled together booth at home. It's never going to sound yeah. the same. Yeah, I, w I would agree that matching matching is more about the actor and getting the pitch right and getting the, you know, like hearing what they did before and blending with it and getting the right performance. After that, a, a tilt in the EQ. Um, at the end of the day, we're all trying to work to. I, I tell voice actors this, right, because we all can get really frustrated. And I say, we're all trying to work together generally to get to a common goal. And so as a voice actor, part of your job is to just, you're a cog in a machine, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a cog that needs special oil, 
<laughs> then you're a pain in the ass, yeah. right? So if if you do anything that just makes their production, no matter how how esoteric or arcane their result their their request is, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. If you don't comply because you think you know better, or you think what they're asking for is BS, then you're just you're not there to be a part of the team. You're not a team player. So therefore. Just do what they tell you to do, even if it makes no sense, because you want to help out the team. You want to be a part of the team, right? So there's there's that argument. So go buy the damn mic and uh, do the job and then sell it afterward, I guess. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just, I, I, I get all of your, I totally get all the arguments, a Rode NT1 sounds amazing. You can get one of those. And yeah. they're never going to Are they putting these out. actors up on cameras to see if they're really using in the U87? No. No, no way. I so, know people... So go, so go get an MXL mic and get yes. the job and do it. And it happens all done. the time. I'm, I'm on good authority of a very well-known big-time VO guy who has both mics. No, I think he doesn't have a U87. And he, they literally asked him to switch to a U87 because he had a 416. And they assumed being who he is, he must have one sitting on the shelf. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 just a minute, just a minute. A minute later, pops the mic back on. Ah, uh, there you go, guys. How's that? Oh, yeah, there's the U87. Thank you. All right, let's get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mike. So it's just yeah. like, it's just psychological. I think maybe oh. he moved two inches further off of his mic, you know. It's like the old, uh, yeah. it's like the old producer's mix. You know, I'm sure Robert's done this before. You know, oh, that music's a bit loud. Can we bring it down a touch? So you, you know, adjust the fader with nothing on it. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure oh, Bobby's done that. Time. Or, yeah. or, or you just adjust it and then when the clients leave, you put it back. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> One or the other. That's right. I worked in a studio where we had a switch in the middle of the console and it was a three-way switch. And if you switched it up, it said Aphex. If you switch it to the middle, it was off. And you, if you switch it to down, it was Bfex. Now, it wasn't connected <laughs> to anything. Yeah. But the fact I, of the matter is, Bfex. there were people that were arguing, arguing over whether Aphex or Bfex <laughs> sounded better. <laughs> Love it. So this uh, studio I worked at, they used to do a lot of gospel records, and they had this particular um, producer who his only apparent direction was, I need more sweat. That's what he would always ask for. I need more sweat, man. Like, I need I more know, sweat. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the engineers at the studio created the pH modulator. And it was a blank rack piece of gear with a turkey baster thermometer coming out the front of it. A LED that they somehow just got it to roll numbers randomly. Yeah. Um, it had all kinds of funny shit on it. <laughs> they put it in the rack for him. That must have been the impetus for the company Funk Logic, who used oh, yeah, to make like fake the, rack panels with fake The controls. Digilog Dynamicator. Yes. I, I, I had a few others. The, the Digilog Dynamicator had a knob that went from 010101 to ooh. And probably one of their best things they ever made was the, palind the palindrometer. The palindrometer. And, <laughs> uh -huh. and, the, and the ons, which was on or moron. <laughs> Genius. Uh, well, we, haven't well, we haven't solved a damn thing here, but we've had a lot of fun. I, do you know what? Oh, I, see, I see a bit of potential for one of our sponsors, though. I, I reckon Rode should send a few people a, um, an NT1. 
and sort of just get them to say, yeah, I've got a U87. Here you go. Stick it oh, up. Boy. Away you go. Well, That's let me tell you, I did a, just as a, as a footnote to this, I did a session, it wasn't me, it was um, a female talent that came here. She'd been here twice to work down the line to Melbourne. Um, we did the first session using, I'm not sure which mic we used, but it certainly wasn't the one I did for the second session. Because of COVID, when she was coming back, I'm like, oh, I don't really want it using my mics and my headphones. So I, I put in the uh, NT1. We'd worked down the line to the studio in Melbourne, and they said the audio was fantastic. So there you go. The, well, uh, often, often the differences are like, like, like you don't. The differences don't reveal themselves until you record different material. For, for yeah. example, yeah. like, like it sounds very, very, very similar on a voice, but then you uh, do like a tambourine or something, and the way that transient hits is, yeah, is where it sure. reveals its difference. You know, but in a certain window, there really are extremely similar. Yeah. Yeah, but in a lot of cases, changes. they'll hear something different and just think it's the performance that's different. They're not thinking it's the mic that's different. They're just thinking, oh, maybe they're projecting uh, more or less or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, truly, I'm, if it's about matching up, the first and foremost thing is the actor has to match up, get into yeah. the same voice space and the same right. pitch. Then the next thing is the room and then the mic. Unless, Let's turn this I on mean, its like, ear the for a second. Robert and Robbo, as producers who have to take audio from elsewhere and make it sound good, what would you tell an actor who is going to submit audio for a production you're working on? What would you tell them as to what it is you want from them to describe the audio there that you're looking for? So let's say when you're not going to tell them what mic to buy. You're just going to tell them, I want audio that sounds like Fill in the blank. How would you clean and dead? Yes, clean. <laughs> clean you know what that like, means, right? Perfect. You know what clean yeah. and dead means, right? How do you quantify that and pass that information to an agent and a casting director so who's then going to put it say, on a casting call to a thousand actors? How do you quantify? Right. So the so the problem is that they want a specific product because people just want to hit a link in Amazon and buy something. But what they really need right. is just an audio interface that has a you know, like, well, the first thing is I assume we're just recording a voice. We're not dealing with something that's extremely loud or extremely quiet, and we're just sort of in the pocket. So most preamps will probably perform well in this area. Um, but I'd recommend just getting a quality, decent audio interface or so something maybe on the upper range in the UA area and on the lower range, like a Scarlet. It's going to be clean enough um, yeah. for voice. And then a good condenser microphone, probably a... I would probably recommend a large diaphragm before a shotgun because there's not a like besides the 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 416 the shotguns start to go all over the place sound wise and so I wouldn't want to but there, there's a lot more consistency in the large diaphragm mics to some degree so I would recommend I agree an NT1 like um I don't know like e even like an AKG perception I mean are are we worried about Price consciousness? Or are we just saying, "What do you want?" Because I'm already no, getting I mean, models. This, I guess I didn't what do you want really to hear? verbalize. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't really verbalize what I'm describing here. I'm not saying mm. to tell them to go buy anything. I'm saying, how do you quantify verbally or descriptively the files you're looking for in terms of the sound quality? How? I mean, I guess I'm. I'm what I'm saying is, this is not really possible. Is what I'm yeah, saying. Well, like, well you want a very direct this? sound. If someone was asking me because they were setting up a home studio, so say you were rank, you were ringing me because you were setting up a home studio, and you said to me, as an audio engineer, Robbo, what do you want me to send you? What should it sound like? 
with gear, gear gear aside, my answer would be I want the best possible sound that you can give me in terms of microphone and preamp. But effectively, I can I can fix that stuff. What I can't fix is the artifacts that come with that. So I can't. Well, it's, it's harder for me to fix room echoes, slapbacks, or headphone bleeds, or it's harder for me to fix fan noise from a computer, um, the dog barking outside, that sort of stuff. That's what I don't want. The rest is not easy to fix, but is fixable. The rest is what I don't want. I don't want that other shit that comes with it that, you know, sometimes can't be fixed properly. I mean, because if I, I, I could explain agree. it. Yeah. Nobody's disagreeing with you, but if you could come up with a way to communicate that in a paragraph succinctly, <laughs> that could be sent to all Holy the top shit. casting yeah. directors and agents, which I, I possibly would have the connections to do this, but get it into the right hands so that that is what the actors receive in that inbox when they get that casting call. Not the, we prefer a U87 and a quality preamp. Yeah. Well, would you just say something like, yeah, and, and, and the best possible recording quality unaffected by external noises? And no processing. I, 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 would, no say, processing. I would say a, a, yeah, no processing and acoustically. So, so A, I would say don't fix your problems with uh, hiding it, with trying to process it out. We, we just want you to have a, the, the word I would use is dead or like a room that does not have a lot of reflections, but you know, it's like, what word are we looking for that everyone understands? I don't know, dead, a closet with a lot of clothes in it, something that has um, that not a lot of reflections that would be and quiet. So that's, that's the first two things. Find a quiet space that doesn't have a lot of reflections. Pair that with a condenser microphone and not too bad of a preamp. You're pretty much like 90% there. It's kind of like ask telling them they need a soundproof studio. Yeah. You no know that's thing. impossible, right? Yeah. You know that's impossible, okay? So then you're saying, well, it doesn't have to be soundproof, it has to be quiet. Okay, yep. well, what, what does that mean? Okay, well, that means I need peak noise floor that hovers on your view meters on your DAW, somewhere between minus 60 and minus 65 after you've applied an 80 hertz high pass filter, something like that. I mean, would that be acceptable? Would that it. make sense? No, no, if no. If you recorded in a library. Who's been in a library? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know all the time. <laughs> Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I'm too spineless. I, I've been in my library folder many times. Um, <laughs> you know, we in, in class, when I was in school for audio engineering, one of the things we would do is we just sit in a circle and everyone would have to name a sound. And the first two rounds were easy. And then you start having to really dig and be quiet and listen. You're like, oh, I think I hear a truck down the street or something. And so if you can go sit in your closet or whatever it is and run out of sounds that you can identify and really listen, like constant sounds are things that your brain shuts out, but they're still there. You can That's hear your air conditioner even though you don't think about it and start naming all the sounds that you can hear. And if you start naming stuff that's like clearly easy to name, you got a problem. If you go sit in that booth and you hear your ears ring, thumbs up. Yeah, really. Yeah. That's a pretty good that's pretty good, Robert. That's really <laughs> yeah. outside the box thinking right there. Like you say, sit in your studio, wait five minutes, and write, you know, identify or write down what you hear. I hear the dog. I hear a bird. I hear a helicopter. And then after a while you go, 
I hear sort of a swooshing sound, or you know, right? And then that's that's actually pretty good. That's that's probably other than them just literally sending you back a sample, a room tone sample, which is you're doing it for them, huh? You're doing the listening for them at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, But geez, that that sounds pretty good. I like that. Okay, well, this is Bobby's forte. This is his. um, Yes. So, Bobby, what? how, How could you describe that in a sentence? I was just thinking, I'm copying that for my next book. <laughs> Hot <Bad> idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to give credit to my teacher in, in college. He's, he's, he's the one that had that exercise of everyone sitting and listening and running out of things to, just, to name. It's brilliant. It teaches it, you how to listen. It definitely is brilliant. No, I think you guys already cracked it. When you say that it's... I want you in a dead room, something like a closet that's full. Most people can understand that. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I have to say it's ironic that when I do my podcasts, I'm frequently with engineers and producers that should know better, and yet <laughs> they'll be in their kitchen or you know, on their laptop where there's nothing but boings and I'm RXing the hell out of it later. I've never done this to Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> never. No, yeah. never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is quite extraordinary. I mean, I we um some time ago we spoke with uh one of the Beatles engineers, let's just say that. I don't want to name names. Um and all I could hear There's not too many left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, he's still alive, so that's that narrows it down a bit. But um he had in the background his mother in law on a sewing machine <laughs> during the whole interview. It was quite bizarre. I said, Is who's is that what's that in the back? Is that a sewing machine? He goes, Yeah, yeah, it's my mother in law. Instead of saying, Oh, do you want me to tell her to stop for a while? <laughs> and I thought <laughs> we'll just plow on. I think there's a thing that even I fall into it a little bit with the podcast, which is like you do your first one, you're like, oh, I want this to be good. You do your second one, you want to, and like by the tenth one, you're like, oh my god, like uh, microphone. Okay, <laughs> I logged in on time. Now I'm happy with myself. Yeah, no, that's you, Robert. That's nobody else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't answer the question about the U87, but I still find it quite bizarre. I don't think well, you can I, answer. You know, that. something about. I think it's a lazy something... recommendation, is what it is. Yeah. Something about the 87 that, that bothers me, and just in general, making a blanket statement like that is the fact that, Andrew, I'm sure you've been on the quest forever finding the right mic for your voice. Yes. You want that match, and you're never going to get it like that, you know, if you're just going to buy something at random. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's so many other things at play with this. And if there's some technical reason why you have to have a U87, then what is it? Because to me, it doesn't make any sense. If a microphone I, I in a shoebox is going to sound different to a microphone in at Abbey Road, for instance. You know what I mean? It's, maybe maybe it's this. Maybe maybe they're looking past COVID when they come back into the studios and they want to match the material recorded at home with what they will do in the future on what they know will be a U87 in their proper studio. Because that's what probably they might use at whatever studio they're using when they record in person. Yeah. So what you're saying is that it does matter. You're saying it does matter enough to use the same mic that well, it's maybe worth that's telling them thinking. to use the same mic. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that might be their thinking. And I would agree that, I mean, I think we'd all agree that it's easier to EQ match if 
that's one less variable if it's the same mic, even though we also know that probably no two U87s sound exactly the same either. Yeah. Different issue. Clearly, they don't work like with clients that I work with because the other day I got sent a uh, some stuff that was recorded on set uh, with a lapel mic. And then, oh, here's some, uh, here's some pickups. Can you cut these in for us? Oh, by the way, they were recorded on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So they nice. match those All the bad two ADR I've ever seen on the television. Well, I mean, we're not, we're not <laughs> suggesting that any mic works, but but in general, I mean, actually, the reality is that you look at a lot of these MXL microphones and all these cheap, you know, large diaphragm condenser microphones, and I believe a lot of them have pretty much ripped on the U87 circuit design and capsule design, and so really, you you are getting kind of a cheap version of that. And I'd even argue that my um, beat up U87 from 1970, that's not an AI version and uh, is really not maintained and needs to go to the shop is probably a worse candidate than a brand new microphone that's fresh and good to go and doesn't have 30 years of abuse under its belt. Yeah. Well, there, there's agree. even so, some studios in in LA that do gaming. The gaming companies, man, they are really, really picky, dude. I mean, they're the ones telling actors to send in twenty four ninety six files. Um, they're like super picky about the file content, the sound quality, and they're even shipping out like kits to animation and game voices with the microphone and everything, including sometimes U eighty sevens. So imagine these mics are getting sent around from studio to studio, then likely sterilized, I guess, yeah, and then hopefully. sent to somebody else. And the condition of those U87s um, can't be too good. No. <laughs> but, but see, there's something being overlooked here. You know, whatever mic you get, it still matters how far away you are. <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> you know, we all know that you can do two, two voiceovers with the same signal path on the same microphone, depending where you're at in relation to the microphone, it's going to sound different. That's right. So unless you give some direction on that, then it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what's going to happen is all these people are going to get the U87 and they're going to talk right into the end of it like it's an SM58. (laughs) I did did have an example of a client who had a U87 on a desktop stand with a reflection filter sitting behind it, just on their desk, (laughs) sitting about a foot away on cardioid. So you can pretty much predict what that sounded like. I mean, it okay. was oh, yeah. it reflection. I terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. And, um, it was like after, all bouncing off the desk. It was right? bouncing off the desk. It was bouncing off the room. It was just, it was terrible. And th- there's so many people buying these cheap Amazon special brand X reflection filter microphone stand combo kits nowadays, which are ridiculously so junky because the, the, the backstop reflection filter gadget mud flap thing, whatever. There's so many names <laughs> for these flat. things. Is made out of like you know one inch thick like spongy foam that's essentially acoustically translucent. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. this it does it's not even there. You know, so there's just so many layers of issues that have to be sorted out. Like, what if the studios were to send out um, like a foldable, easy to transport instant voiceover booth? I don't know. Like, like a tri-booth. Like a tri-booth. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. We've, we've been trying to get... Uh, we've, Have you we done got, the Try the Tri-booth campaign yeah. yet? We, uh, yeah. we, we, well, we got solicited or we got you know asked to, to quote uh, like 10 units 
for a major game company here in town. And, uh, well, then it's like many times where you get a lead like that and then crickets for a month and you have, you don't know what the hell's going on. We're kind of at that stage with the project. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, like that's a brilliant thing. They could have 10 kits with tri-booths and a, it could be a 416 or whatever it is, but that's something that goes to every studio, every talent, and they every game is recorded with the same environment. That yeah. would be that completely would be viable, yeah, right? That would absolutely. be very sensible. So. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy thing. There's so many studios and engineers. They're still scrambling, begging for the day they can reopen their doors, wondering when it's going to be, not knowing. And some people have procrastinated because they've waited thinking six months later it'll be fine. Five months later or eight months later it's going to be fine. And so, you know, there, there are still people scrambling six, five months later after the, the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Um, to figure this out. Down here, I can tell you that uh, the word around in Melbourne is that we won't get back to normal for about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're hearing major game, uh, major major companies like Apple and Google saying we're not sending our employees back until next year. So Has, has yeah. anybody said, wow, I really like working at home and this is like, this is really good? Yeah, yeah the only people That's that like it are the ones like, like, yeah, like Andrew. <laughs> you know, yeah. they have, yeah, Andrew and, and, and Robert and myself that we've built our whole business model around that now and we're comfortable and we have a great space to work in and we're it's great for us but yep. it's terrible for everybody else who doesn't have that consistency of a space doesn't have it set up and it's also terrible for the production who starts a session with 25 minutes of troubleshooting um, and they have um, the client on the line or the the director, the script supervisor, two other people, the client, you know, whoever it is, five, seven people on the line while they're tech supporting, why the connection's not working, why is there an echo, why am I hearing myself twice, blah, 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 who mutes what, you know, and that's, yeah. that's really the problem. Productions yeah. are frustrated because they're wasting a lot of time. Yeah. Fixing problems. There are some pre- you know? pretty professional podcasts that spe- seem to spend twenty five minutes sorting that shit out too. Sometimes I'm not not without naming any <laughs> names. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. dear. Well, on that note, we should uh, pull the pin on this one and uh, just admit we haven't solved the. Uh, no, I don't think we'll ever know. No. no. I enjoyed talking for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You feel more Is calm. Yeah. On next week's show, we spend the whole show talking with the one and only Bobby Osinski about the current climate and the future of the audio business. Join us next week on the Pro Audio Suite. This show was mixed by Voodoo Sound, edited by Andrew Peters, using Source Connect Now and Rode Microphones, with technical support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe and like us. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.